All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Five oh five, Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA. It is a Thursday afternoon, and uh, I'm so happy to say that uh, joining us is our Attorney General, Jason Miyares. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of uh, activity in the AG's office uh, on behalf of the people of Virginia. It's so nice to have somebody who really understands the job and the responsibilities in this manner. And I'm, I'm just happy to welcome Jason. Thank you for being here. It is great to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Well, we checked your phone yesterday. We knew what time and what place, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was good seeing you yesterday. <laughs> Same yeah, here. Same here. Now, I want you to share with everybody, if you don't mind, uh, something that I learned last night for the first time. You are the first candidate for attorney general to unseat an incumbent in Virginia since like 1850. Was that it? 1859? You know, you you build great friendships on the campaign trail with your team. And um, on election night, as the results were coming in, um, my campaign manager, Clark Kilgore, uh, commented to me, he said, you know, listen, if we pull this off, you'd be the first candidate to defeat an incumbent attorney general in Virginia since 1885. And, uh, you know, I just said, wow, I'm so glad I did not know that when I was thinking about whether to run for this office. Um, somehow he'd done the research and tracked that down. And so uh, it was nice to be a moment of uh, history. Yeah. Uh, like I said, glad to find that on the back end, but it was a great evening. It was a great evening for Virginia. The eyes of the country really was on Virginia. I was shocked at the number of people from around the country that reached out and sent their congratulations and just really warm messages and notes and text messages from people all over, many of which I was thinking, how in the world did you get my phone number? But right. uh, it was it was a nice it was a nice win for Virginia. It sure was. And uh, we are thrilled. Honest to goodness, we're thrilled. Uh, we, the people with uh, Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears and Jason Miaris and in those three constitutional offices. Tell me a little bit. I mean, you've been on the job now. Is it seven months since uh, yeah. you, you took the oath of office? Over seven months and seven months and three days. So, yeah, January 15th, sit on the on the portico of Mr. Jefferson's Capitol. That was a really powerful moment. Um you know, I have jokes with Glenn that when we uh, walked inside the Capitol, I could have pulled, swore I heard a uh, uh, over the intercom cleanup on aisle seven because uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot of what we've been doing is doing some uh, policies that weren't really helping Virginia. Yeah, but it has been a it's been a great it's been a great seven months. Really honored to, to, to be able to serve Virginians, but really really honored by the people in my on my team, some very very talented individuals that have joined our office. Um, that have really, they're also real public servants, and they've they've made my job a lot easier, the fact that they're part of my team. So let's talk about some of the activity that you and the team are involved in. Uh, Parents throughout this Commonwealth, obviously, were, to put it mildly, perturbed uh, 
at uh, some of the nonsense that was happening. Parents in Loudoun County saying, my God, uh, Democrat, Republican doesn't matter to me. I don't want my daughter attacked and raped in a in a bathroom. Uh, you have been standing up. What are the activities ongoing with school divisions and, and the, the activities that they may or may not yeah. impose? Well, I mean, as you know, the first day uh, the governor signed an executive order authorizing me to investigate what happened in Loudoun County, obviously, and, and um, unlike the Justice Department in D.C., I don't I don't leak confidential information, but that investigation is ongoing. Um, it is public that it, there is a uh, grand jury that's been impaneled, but that is ongoing. Uh, you know, the governor and I both are passionate believers that safety is part of the reason why we got elected. And if you're a parent, I have three school-age children. Yep. Uh, your number one priority when you drop your child off, you're entrusting that school with their safety. And uh, the governor is authorizing his budget fully support hundreds of new school resource officers and helping our kids and also empowering parents. I mean, you know, there's a reason why Governor Yonkin had on all of his signs, you know, those kind of two immortal words, parents matter. And, you know, one of the first things that we did was enforce the governor's executive orders saying, listen, if you're the parent, you get to make a decision. You want your child to be masked for eight hours a day, that's your right as a parent. But if you want to have that decision on whether your child would have to wear a mask, um, uh, that's going to be the decision left up in the hands of the parents. And, you know, really crystallize. You, I will tell you this, that you, you kind of get in this role and you realize that, you know, you're dealing with a lot of theories and it's sometimes easy to lose track of this, the ramifications on people's lives. And I remember after we won our court case, it was actually in Loudoun County, we won the court case on the mask, and getting a phone call from um, uh a, a, a constituent, a Virginian, who said how excited she was. She heard the news that she's able to tell her daughter that she didn't have to wear a mask uh, in school the next day, that the parents get to make that decision. And, and I was kind of like, well, that's great. I'm, I'm sorry that she was, she found masks kind of annoying and restricting. She said, no, you don't understand. My daughter is so excited because for the very, very first time, she will get to see what her best friend at school actually even looks like. She's nine years old. And it just really crystallized for me the mental health aspect, what we have done to our kids uh, these last two years. Uh, they have gone through so much. And so the idea of, you know, we both pledge our schools are not going to get shut down. Parents are going to be able to make those decisions. I think that really kind of goes under the entire umbrella. We want safety in our streets, safety in our schools. We want to empower parents to make these decisions. And that's a big part of what our administration in my office, working with the governor has been doing. So tell me a little bit about uh, Commonwealth's attorneys. You know, uh, I, I look to Fairfax County, and I think to myself, this, the, the guy up there, and I'm trying not to be nasty, but he reminds me a lot of this, the former DA in San Francisco, that Chesa Bowden, who they <laughs> recalled. You know, I mean, he really does. Right. You know, same cut from the same cloth. Do you, as the attorney general, have any power at all to remove him or prosecute the cases he won't prosecute? Uh, listen, we, we every state is governed by their own respective state constitution. Several people have asked me about what Governor DeSantis did. That authority does not reside in Virginia under our constitution. Um, our Commonwealth attorneys are duly elected. Uh, unfortunately, they elected in Fairfax a criminal first victim last. Commonwealth's attorney. And you're right, he's very similar to the DA in San Francisco that was just recalled. And this was so amazing to me, Jeff. 
And I know you're a passionate believer in law enforcement. If you look at the precincts in San Francisco, the areas where the numbers to recall that DA were the highest right. were in heavily Latino precincts, heavily Asian-American precincts. It was not the areas that they wanted to keep them were wealthy, um, wealthy, uh, highly educated uh, neighborhoods in San Francisco. These are individuals that they live behind gated walls and gated communities. They're not dealing with the fact that their people are scared to walk two blocks to go to their grocery store or their coffee shop because of the level of crime in San Francisco. And so it really is amazing where you have the folks that were supporting a, a, a district attorney out there that was doing the policies that they alone will never have to drill, deal with the ramifications of. And I think you've seen that so much. If you want to see part of the reasons why you're seeing so many Latino and Asian-American voters run towards the GOP, it's because they value public safety. They value safe streets. They don't believe in a catch-and-release program. They don't believe in a criminal first victim last mindset. And in San Francisco, I mean, in, in Fairfax, you know, I, I went up and I met with law enforcement. I had a town hall week before last of the Fairfax police association and they were the level of frustration those officers have over the lack of prosecution of them not even charging certain crimes because they know that their commonwealth attorney there won't even enforce the law won't even won't even prosecute certain categories of crime the morale is is awful um and so it is it is it is creating a lot of frustration there's a reason why fairfax is down uh, at least a hundred plus officers, if not more. I've heard it's actually higher, much higher than that. And so that frustration. So part of my job as Attorney General is, is you know, I have a unique platform. And when I when I see that there are individuals that aren't doing their job, uh, and when law enforcement is continuously complaining to me, and when I'm asked by members of the of the media, I'll I'll gladly answer and tell them where I think they need to improve. And um, I guess my question, or some people like, well. You know wh- why are you bringing this up? Is I have to for beh- on behalf of the men and women that wear the badge. That's right. The number of Fairfax officers, the number of individuals that had either stopped me or called me or reached out to members of my staff and said, "Listen, are you aware of this? This is what we're saying." It, it is just astonishing, and um, it is it is really really frustrating. And so Fairfax, you know, is over a million people in, in the county of Fairfax, yeah. and so you have. You have a huge sea change there, and it's really unfortunate. It's what we're trying to push back on. Do you think we need some uh, some changes in terms of legislation when the when the House of Delegates, the State Senate, comes back into session? Are there certain things that that they could do that they should do uh, that would allow you or, well, or another Attorney General to step in and say, "Okay, uh, this is we'll we'll handle this well, now." Thank you very much. You know, we we had a piece of legislation that would give me. I have about original jurisdiction on about fourteen different areas uh, of of the criminal code where I. I get to make the decision to prosecute um, or it's concurrent with the local commonwealth attorney. Either one of us can. Everyone, every, all the other areas of the code, usually what happens is the commonwealth attorney requests help. I don't think I'm going to get any requests from help from this one. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a case where, you know, there was a young child victim of a child rape case that the case was pled out. Right. And um, we asked for, that's a, in Fairfax is where it happened. So we asked for special authority under the code where particularly for the, if the victim is a minor of a sexual assault, we would have concurrent jurisdiction. And so if you're not willing to do your jobs, we'll step in and do your job for you. Well, that died in the Democratic Senate. But I'll tell you one thing that I think would be, would be uh, I think critical, and it died in the Democratic-controlled Senate. When Governor Northam was 
governor, he vetoed a bill that passed with actually wide bipartisan support. I would say at least 20 to 30 Democrats in the House and Senate collectively voted for this. And it would allow prosecutors to prosecute these drug dealers that are lacing their narcotics with fentanyl, uh, which, you know, that's just poison. And it would allow you to prosecute these dealers for second-degree murder. I mean, if you're giving somebody and you're if you're dealing drugs and you're lacing it with fentanyl, you know you might as well just assign that person their death warrant. It's something mm-hmm. that prosecutors have been asking for in Virginia for quite some time, passed with wide bipartisan support. Ralph Northam vetoed it as part of his little social justice um, um, policy platform. And we got a new governor. I really thought, well, great. This is a bill that passed with wide bipartisan majority uh, last time around. We have a Republican governor. You know, Youngkin will sign it once he gets to his desk. Here's the problem. If you don't think the Democratic Party hasn't changed, um, every Democrat, including some Democrats that previously had voted for it, uh, it died in a, on, a, on a party line vote in the state Senate. Uh, that should tell you about, and this was something that law enforcement and uh, common sense prosecutors have been begging for. And uh, it's tragic because we have lost over 100,000 people uh, nationally to opioid and fentanyl overdoses. That's the equivalent of two Vietnam wars in 12 months. We've lost 50,000 men and women in Vietnam in 15 years. We're losing 100,000 in 12 months. And we lose four Virginians a day to these overdoses. And so uh, the idea that this law enforcement is begging, I mean, begging for a tool in the toolbox to be able to go after these drug dealers that are killing and poisoning our kids. And the fact that we can't get it out of the state Senate, I think crystallizes what we need. And so, if there's any bill I'd like to see passed next year, there's several, but that comes at the top of my list because, you know, I just had a meeting with some folks this, just this week, uh, Wednesday, at the Attorney General's office, several of which have lost their children to fentanyl overdoses or heroin overdoses. And it's just, you talk to these parents, and it's just heartbreaking. And so uh, give prosecutors, give law enforcement the tools they need to go after these people and send the message in Virginia, if you sell this poison to our kids, we're going to go after you with every, to the maximum extent under the law. That's what I want to see done. I think it's a great idea, and uh, I'm looking forward to a, a new House of Delegates, new state Senate that uh, has the courage to do what's right. Listen, I, I know you are slammed, as always. I, I looked over your shoulder at your phone, so I, I really do appreciate you uh, making some time for us, and I uh, can't always. wait to to get you back and uh, just best of the game. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye. Thank you. That is uh, Jason Miar is the Attorney General of the Commonwealth. He is a great guy. Let me tell you, um, I- I'm just totally serious here. We, we were uh, chatting last night in an event. It was over at the Dominion Club uh, for Rob Whitman, who's going to be here tomorrow. Great congressman, great stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, uh, we- we're chatting, and I said, oh, you know, you're, you're on tomorrow. And he says, yep. I saw it on my phone and somebody else was standing by us and said, Oh, well, what time is, uh, is he going to be on? And I said, Oh, I think it's three thirty-five. And he, the attorney general took out his phone. He said, Nope, it's five Oh five. And I, I looked at that schedule. Let me tell you, this is a guy who was pulled six ways to Sunday and is doing the right stuff. He's getting the job done. He's acting on behalf of, of the people of this Commonwealth. And it is such a wonderful change from that, that, that uber leftist hack that we had for eight years. We finally have somebody as attorney general uh, who understands what the job is. It is uh, Jeff Katz, News Radio WRBA. 
All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.